Welcome to another installment of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we are going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. I'm excited to bring my uh, good friend, Jerome Clary, co-host um, of Funny Fridays. Can I say that? Um, or at least I assisted. Um, and uh, you've... Uh, You've written or you've got credits that include Melrose Place, Howard Stern Show, National Lampoon, Jimmy Kimmel Show. Um, you got um, Funny Fridays, got uh, Top Comedy Awards, Best Betsy's, Best Betsy's, Best Bets, Best Bets. On AOL. <laughs> I'm just seeing Betsy. I don't know. What can I – I can barely read. Uh, anyway, um, comic extraordinaire and um, writer. Yes. Is there any? And uh, also, you're a publicist. I work as a publicist. Works as a publicist and job. a stripper or a sex worker. I or wish. those are those days just are don't over. get paid. People oh, okay. pay me now to keep my clothes on. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. That's a Vicky Barbalak joke. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, Jerome. It's uh, good to have you here. Yeah, I'm very impressed with uh, the production value. So you impress easily. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, so, uh, so are you're doing some comedy? I'm doing some comedy. I'm also pitching my TV shows, as you, you okay. and I have been discussing yep. on and off for a long time. Pitching yeah. shows. That's yeah. cool. And then you do some um, you do some PR I do for some folks. PR, yeah. And um, when did you know that you wanted to be a comic slash PR slash show pitcher? Well, you know, it's funny. Always in grade school, people, the teachers always wrote, thinks he's a class clown or never mm-hmm. stops talking or requires too much of his time. Of You know, I always got criticisms for – all my energy and thinking that I was really funny and stuff. Mm-hmm. And my friends always thought I was really funny. And I thought about it for years on and off. And then mm-hmm. finally I took the plunge and start coming to the comedy store for the open mics mm-hmm. and met a lot of different people mm-hmm. and uh, met the infamous Josh Nasser. Oh, Josh Nasser. Yeah. yeah. And then yes. that's how I ended up working on his show when it was on Friday nights. Oh, okay. Yeah, Cause there was no room on Adam Barnard show on Sunday nights. Cause they had the same cast all the time. And then I eventually met you. Is that a dig at Adam Barnhart? No, it's okay. a, it, it's a dig on the producers of that show. Oh, then. okay. No, but they had a set thing they can't. They didn't have a lot of different comics, so I just realized there was no room for me. Yeah. So when I looked around, I showed up on Friday night, and I thought, oh, if I really hustle and work hard on the show, I'll have a stage time. I'll be able to perform, and I get mm-hmm. to know all the comics. So that worked cool. out pretty well. How many years did you work with Josh on the show before he left? I think three or four, and I think I did over ten years here running the show here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And so, then you brought in – excuse me. Then you brought in Maximini. <laughs> there were the Maximini years. I brought in Maximini. I, I was always changing the cast of a person helping me with the show. That's right. Then Noel. Then Noel. Noel, Noel Grabley. Uh-huh. Um, and then you were always around. I was always around. Yeah. I was like you doing the show where the girl asked you to go get her a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> who was that? Do you remember? There was some woman who showed up and she said, will you go get me a drink? And you just like looked at her like, what? Yeah. yeah. I know. We had some odd – Dropping comic well, guest. yeah, people used to always think that I would get them free drinks because I work <laughs> here, but uh, work at the store, but yes. yeah, did not happen too often, occasionally. So let me ask you this: so, um, so you you came to the game late for stand up. You didn't go to college to be a stand up comic. Are you, are you referring to my age? And well, no, I mean most people start doing comedy, you know, when they're like eighteen or nineteen. Yes, that's true. You know, when I was at NYU, um, I, right down the street were all the comedy places, but it wasn't something I had thought about, and then. Also, I'm going to say this. Back then, say it. you couldn't be a gay comic unless you were totally out. And if you were out, then it didn't really help you career-wise because gay comics didn't prosper and do well back then. One. Right. 
And then two is when I came out to visit here um, in July of 85, mm-hmm. a year before I moved out here, uh, when I came to the Comedy Store four nights in a row, we were staying at the Century Plaza Hotel. On the main stage was Louis Anderson and Sam Kennison. And then sitting in the back was Clint Eastwood and Richard Pryor and everything. And that's the heyday of the Comedy mm-hmm. Store in the 80s. It was really impressive. The old heydays because we're in new heydays. Right, we're in new heydays. We're in new heydays, just by but the way. it was really impressive and I really liked it. And then finally, I just thought about it. I think when Will and Grace came on TV – and also um, The Amazing Race and The Two Gay Guys won, and then Survivor and all these things were happening. Suddenly, a gay person became like an archetype. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I felt, thought oh, it would probably be much easier to do it now because it would be more supported and be more prosperous. Mm-hmm. And did you find that to be true? I did find it to be true, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, unfortunately in life, in the industry, you couldn't be out or gay because they really held it against you as a gay mm-hmm. or lesbian person. And today it's – the biggest, hottest thing, a transgender and everybody else. So. Yeah. Do you think, um, besides not going into comedy, do you think that that had an impact on um, other choices, life choices? In what capacity? What, um, um, having to be labeled as uh, a gay comic or a gay actor. Or... Yeah, you couldn't be a gay actor either. You really couldn't be out. Your agent or managers did not want to really know, even though if they were a gay or lesbian person – they just didn't want that to be an issue or discussed. So it was a very problematic time in the entertainment mm-hmm. industry in the 80s and yeah. the 90s. Yeah. yeah. Did your parents um, encourage you to go into the creative arts? Did they want you to get a regular job? No, my parents were really supportive. Um, I was really fortunate. Uh, whatever I wanted to do, I could do. Mm-hmm. And I went to Ithaca College for two years for a BFA acting program. Then I transferred to NYU and a mm-hmm. BFA acting program. I graduated from there. I went to two years to the Neighborhood Playhouse in New York. I moved out here and studied with Jeff Corey, acting in Malibu. I studied with Brian Reese, Cole reading classes. I took tons of improv. I went mm-hmm. to the Groundlings for four years. I was in classes with Sherry O'Terry and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jennifer Coolidge and all these people. Mm-hmm. And I lived in the same dormitory at NYU with Molly Shannon. So I was always around a lot of people who were very um, talented and creative. Yeah. And they just kept you on the side. And they kept me on the side. They kept you on the yeah. side. But I have to say that I really um, – I'm very fortunate because my parents were always really supportive. I did – my mom got me involved in a theater company when I was 12 in southern New Jersey near Atlantic City. And I became part of that theater company. So even though I was in high school, besides being in plays and musicals in high school, mm-hmm. I was also doing community theater at the exact same time. Right. Performing all the time. Yeah. All right. Cool. So I'm going to ask you a random question. What's your favorite thing to save money on? Like, what's your favorite saving technique? Or like, yeah, I got to do it. Like, how do you, how do you? Wh- oh boy, my friends give me a hard time. Um, I like cheap food. Okay, you like cheap food. <laughs> or free food. So you like yeah. the Chinese food where you get three things for a no, dollar no, each? No, but even like uh, McDonald's, I just came there and got the McDouble McChicken for three bucks. Uh, okay. My friends like really razz my, razz my ass on this one. You know there. it's not healthy. Yeah, I know. Okay, I'm just, okay. I just, just in case, um, I wasn't sure. But I've been eating it since junior high school, and I'm really healthy. I have low blood sugar and very low, low okay. blood pressure. So, okay, so it's that's cool. You have a McHart. Yeah. Okay, I have a McHart. But you know what? Um, I, what do I like saving money on? I like saving money on 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 everything. Okay. Yeah, I like a good deal. I like a good bargain. You like a good deal. What's yeah. your biggest expenditure? What, what will you spend money on and not really worry about? I'm that's gonna... really interesting. Um. If there's a nice piece of clothing or something, I think, or an entertainment thing, if I want to go see someone at a concert, yeah, that's a splurge. Will you spend – spare no expense on your dog? Um, my dog is now 11 and a half. You know my dog. A little cute golden white shih tzu. Um, I am very generous with my dog. He gets baths regularly. He gets checkups. He gets, he's a doggy day camp right now. That's, oh. that's smart. But um, I wouldn't say I, I'm extravagant, but I'm pretty uh, – he's pampered. 
Okay. Well, he lives in West Hollywood. Yes, so. he lives in West Hollywood. He does. Yeah. Um, did you get an allowance as a kid? I did. Um, one time on Hollywood Squares, they asked a question, what's a typical allowance for a teenager or someone who's 12? And someone answered like $1.50. And then I turned to my father and said, that's what I want per week. So they start giving me this allowance. But now that we're going to my childhood and grade school and stuff, um, I was always working a job. People were always hiring me. When I was eight years old, the candy store down the street, Bowens hired me and was paying me. Did, uh, when, yeah. Was there a little – did you have to go back and uh... – like do don't get nasty. Candy, no. Do candy inventory with the owner. No. Um, but, just... the, but the other thing is when I was in sixth grade, a woman asked my mom, can he come and clean the travel office uh, offices each week? And can I work across the street? So people were constantly hiring me and I was constantly working and making money. People always wanted to work with me or hire me. And I worked at Wendy's when I was 16 and I worked as a busboy when I was 14 at a seafood restaurant. I was always working. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I liked making money. What was the message that your parents gave you around money? Um, and career choices when you were a kid? My parents didn't give me any message about money or career choices at all. Was money an issue? Did they have lots and lots of money? Well, um, my father died two months for, before I was born at 28. Mm. And my, oh, mom, wow. my mom was a widow for three years. And at one point we were th- one, three, one, three, and five. And then she met my stepfather who was 27 years older than her, and okay. he was a widower, and they dated for a year. And when he married her, we were – I was three, my brother was five, and my sister was seven, and he became our father. And at 57, can you imagine marrying – he loved my mother so much. He married her and became our father. And he already had a daughter that was seven years younger than my mother and was married and had kids already. Mm-hmm. But we moved to southern New Jersey. I, I, I was born outside Philadelphia. And I grew up in a small summer beach resort town, Margate, three miles south of Atlantic City. But mm-hmm. my parents were really – supportive and really generous and my stepfather had money we raised around money yeah 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 and do you find um now that you're on your own i mean i i don't know so i'm not making assumptions but do you um do you still have that access to money do you have to like work really hard do you are you comfortable i don't have that access to that money i have to work really hard i am comfortable and i have to tell you there's something about being hungry and always having to work and being your Mm -hmm. toes um, it's really probably the best thing for anybody because it keeps you really with your hand in the game, the pot ready mm-hmm. to go. I think it's a big trap when you have it too easy because then you don't you don't have an initiative. You don't have the fire mm-hmm. in your belly or underneath your ass telling you you have to move really quickly to pay your bills or do everything. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, I think when I was looking back at my life in the recent years, that's how I suddenly decided, oh, I wanted to create TV shows and I wanted to sell these shows. I don't think that would have happened if I was extremely well off at that point. Right. Yeah. What's the best part about being an artist? Just the endless creativity. Even when I decided to start creating TV shows, once I said I was going to do this, it was as if I opened up a portal and all these ideas constantly come to me all the time. Mm -hmm. So I have reality shows, a game show, courtroom show. I have some dramas, comedies. And then I figured out my formula from all the creativity that people – there was a big response to the shows when I was pitching them. Mm. Yeah. When did you first realize that money had any value? Do you remember your first money memory? I think I realized all the time that money had value because when I started getting paid at the candy store when I was eight mm-hmm. and in sixth grade and people were handing me money, I knew that I had that money and I could buy a comic book or candy. I could do whatever I wanted with the money. I knew that, that money was money was important. Yeah. If money were no object, yes. Um, what would you change about your life? I would buy a house. I would get a lover. 
I would travel the world mm-hmm. and I would, uh, I think everything else would be the same. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you consider your biggest financial mistake? Oh, I have a couple. Um, one is I made a bad investment. I hired a production company to work on this project with me and it was too premature and they're probably glad to be paid well. Um, but I learned a lot from that thing. I'm working on this other project on the side of this documentary and some other things, but, um, I think that would be it. I think the mismanagement of not investing the money correctly or well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you had to choose between a nice place to live and a nice car, which would you pick? Well, that's and a why? tough one. A uh, nice place to live. And why? Because I know in LA, people are very car-centric and egocentric over cars and status. Um, that's not super important to me. I think having a nice place to live is a bigger, bigger thing. Plus, there's Lyft and Uber. <laughs> do you use Lyft and Uber a lot? I do. I was, really? let, me, let me tell you something. I've had some really good adventures in the uh, carpool for Lyft. Mm-hmm. I've met some great drivers, great passengers. I've pitched shows to someone who was stuck in the back seat with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've had to I've had a good adventure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have to say. Now, did the people that you were pitching to that were trapped in the back seat did they jump or did they stay and listen? Oh, they loved it. Um, they, no, they um, no, they were enamored. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then one guy was in the front seat and I heard him talking on the phone. He should have never made a business call in front of me. I was like, "Oh, you're a producer. I, I have some shows." He couldn't wait to get out of that. <laughs> Front seat. <laughs> Did you at least tattoo your phone number or something uh, on his arm? You. Let me tell you something. I always carry all my business cards on the back of my phone. So let me tell you, it comes in oh my really God. handy. That's hilarious. Let me see that. Wait, That's, hilar- see That's hilarious. Yeah, you don't have one of these? No. And all my PR cards, everything's here. Wow. Yeah, so let me tell you. Thank God I have that. Because sometimes you can hand a phone to someone, punch your number, let me get mm-hmm. this. But fortunately, you can throw them the card with your cell number and email mm-hmm. on it. And there's at least a connection. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. Well, and yeah, then at least you have something to throw away. Exactly. (laughs) God bless Vista print. Um, Are you set for retirement? No, I'm not. No. And do you have any plans for what's your, what's your plan for retirement? I don't think I have any plan for retirement. You mean financially or just Mm -hmm. psychologically? Yeah. I mean, are you hoping that uh, somebody will take care of you? Um, I'm uh, hoping you have two, you have two siblings, but your sister, past my sister's in heaven my brother lives in the valley okay yeah um i don't have any plans um my goal is to keep pitching my shows write some scripts uh sell those scripts sell my Mm -hmm. projects and then see what happens yeah okay i i i i gotta tell you what i think about retirement um and i'm not talking about financially Mm -hmm. i could see when my stepfather finally retired after 43 years and then sat in the chair and watched tv all the time and there's a quick decay to once you retire and you're sitting around, it doesn't yeah. – unless you're smart enough to be active and health-wise, mm-hmm. you can have a, a, a quick change in your life. Do you think that's the same thing? Yeah. I, no, I, th- I think that's true. Yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. As soon as you say you're retired – Yeah, I think that's – there's a lot of people, they say they're retired and three weeks later they die. Um, <laughs> right? Because a lot – I mean I think most people – You have to have a purpose. You got to have a purpose. That's exactly right. You got to have a purpose. And I have many purposes, so – yeah. yeah. And listen, all purpose. I, listen, as much as I've worked for a long time as a publicist and I fell into it and learned it from the ground up, but I like having that that skill because I'm constantly meeting new people and putting segments of stories together for people. So because of that, and then on top of this, I have clients coming to me now with IP, intellectual property. So they come with a novel or a book and they want it to turn into a, a TV show or movie. And I have first dibs on it because they came to me first and they told me what their dream was. And I'm like, I have contacts. I think we can... Get this sold or made, yeah. 
That's cool. And that wouldn't have not happened if I'm not still a publicist. Do you buy lottery tickets? I did. I do buy lottery tickets. I haven't bought them recently, but I, I have to say my guilty pleasure is buying quick picks of Super Lotto, um, Powerball, and Mega Millions. And what's the most you've ever won on one of those? Not that much. 20. 20? <laughs> okay. Right. I'm not a scratcher. Oh, yeah. Okay. And did you reinvest the 20 back into more lotto tickets? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. It really depends where I'm at in my mind. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Do you play the lotto? Um, not a lot. When Only it, when it's up to 300 million. Yeah, and then I'll do it. I'm like, yeah, what, yeah, you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. but do you feel good when the other person wins a billion dollars? you feel like, well, I contribute it? No. <laughs> I just wish that they had uh, sold the winning ticket closer to my home. I know. At where I'd I specifically know. purchased my ticket. Exactly. But um, what do you um, – so you like cheap meals. What is – what's an expensive meal? Like how much money is an expensive meal? Oh, going to – I don't know, uh, Boa or Koi or – I mean going to a really expensive place, right? Yeah, yeah. so $100 a person is expensive? I 50, guess, yeah. Is $50 but, expensive? But you know what? That's not really me. I, I, unless I was selling my TV shows now making a lot of money, I could say, mm-hmm. oh, let's go do that. But – I'm uh, I'm a happy camper at uh, Soup Plantation or um, Panda Express. I can't I can't believe Soup Plantation is still around. But uh, all right, that's, no, uh, you know what? I, it's there's really, only one in the whole world. No, but right? it's really weird. It's, what's weird about it is I know because of Facebook, people's lifestyles and mm-hmm. the dinners out and everything. I say, and I'm always enamored. Like, oh my god, they must have a lot of money because they're constantly in really good restaurants, right? Yeah. And you look at social media. Um, I'm pretty content with my own schedule and things happening. I've had friends take me out. I've gone out and done stuff. But having like an expensive meal or a really luxurious place isn't always on my radar. Yeah. So when you do go out with a bunch of friends for a meal, yeah. do you split the bill evenly or do you calculate your portion? Um, we split the bill evenly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also I have some generous friends. You know my millionaire friend you've met? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, I've had friends that took me on a trip and paid for it to pay for my dinner, take me out. Yeah. And people have been generous. Yeah. And how'd you have to pay him back? I did it just with my good friendship, Bob. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Well, this is Hollywood. So, uh, I just figured I'd, uh... I think they went this favor of some young 20 year olds. Oh, okay. All right. That the, the, sh- yeah. the ship has sort of left the, has sailed many times the sh- over. The ship has sailed. Yeah. The ship has, the ship has sailed. Um, what would you say, um, if you had some money to invest, what, where, how would you invest it? Let's say you had an extra – let's say you did win the lottery and you got $250,000. That's not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money. <laughs> but it's, it's, it would be comf- It would be nice. Yeah, yeah. What would I do with that money? Um, perhaps maybe buy uh, – I don't know. Put a down payment on a house. With, I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. I don't know. I mean know. you wouldn't invest in gold or you wouldn't uh, – you know, that's a good stocks. question. I think uh, maybe if I could find a good person that I trusted that thought would give me the good recommendations for a stock, possibly. Mm-hmm. That's something that's reasonable or conservative. Yeah. Do you um, – I know – I mean I know that you said you don't you have access to the money that you had as a kid. But um, do, how many months can you go without any new income coming in? Price, not many. I don't know. Two, three, four, five. Three or four. Yeah, yeah. Or five. You, you, listen, this is about life. I had all this money I was putting together this year. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, this is what happens. And aging, whatever. I had a lot of dental work to do. And you know what? With a good dentist and a crown and It's expensive. Neck, yeah. So I went through, I probably have uh, six grand in my mouth from the past January wow. to now. Yeah. And then car and stuff. You know, so before you know it, you can have a lot of money set aside and then you don't. There you go. Yeah. Wait, you still have a car? I do have a car. But I thought you Ubered. So wait, you're paying for cars and no, Ubering? my car's being fixed. Oh, okay. Yeah. But sometimes when I'm walking, 
with my dog and do something. I don't like walking up the hill again, so I take an oh, Uber it's someplace a, it's else. A, it's a, a big forever. hill. It's a big <laughs> hill. Oh, my well, my God. dog gets tired after carrying him, and he's 18 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> my dog weighs 70 pounds. Right. You would never pick your dog up, right? <laughs> no, I do pick my dog up, but he's freaking heavy. What, would you walk half a block with him and then drop him? No, 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 no. no that's luckily- strong? You can carry him that really far? No, luckily he likes to walk. Yeah. He doesn't get tired. But listen, that didn't happen years ago. I mean, it's a big luxury where you're walking someplace and you decide you buy something and you just click on your phone and suddenly an, uh, a lift's picking it right at the curbside, taking it home. Yeah. Yeah. What would you um, – so you ran the comedy shows here. You do the writing. Like where do you get your motivation and your inspiration? <clears throat> I am extremely motivated and inspired all the time. I'm a, an idealist um, and an optimist. Mm-hmm. And I think I get that from my family, from my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother was really hands-on. At third grade, she told us how to walk, work the washer and dryer. She told us she sent us to summer school the time to learn typing at fifth grade and stuff. So she was constantly really proactive and re- really ambitious. Mm-hmm. So I've always been really ambitious. Yeah, I, I, I have a self-motivating thing all the time inside of me. No do you what. do you remember some of the things that she said to you about money? <clears throat> she didn't. I'm telling you. I you know I would. She just did by example. N- yeah, but even beyond that, it's like I don't think it was an issue. Like I didn't have the kind of parents that told me, like you got to do this or when I die you should do that. There was nothing laid on me. I was really fortunate. And my mother said yes to everything. I was in third grade at a mall. Can I get that rabbit for Easter? Yes, that's my rabbit Oreo, my black and white rabbit. In seventh grade, we're in Florida, and there's a monkey in this store. And I said, can we get this monkey? And my mother said, yes. And we had it shipped to New Jersey and it was a woolly monkey. My mother said yes to everything. You had a monkey? Yes. So I literally- Okay. Did you kill your monkey? No, I didn't kill the monkey. What what happened to the monkey? The monkey eventually, we donated it to the Philadelphia Zoo. I had to eventually go to college, remember? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying, but my mother was really like supportive and idealistic and said yes to everything. Yeah. Wow. I'm still- fixated on the fact that you had a monkey well someone on facebook that i know sort of went down to brazil and he had a picture with this monkey and i wrote underneath it oh that's a bully monkey i had that monkey and he goes where did you grow up and i said in southern new jersey <laughs> like he couldn't fathom that the same monkey that was on his shoulder in brazil or wherever mm-hmm. in peru wherever he was that i had that monkey right yeah which is now in a cage in philadelphia or older but he's probably probably gone by now yes he's probably in heaven we i don't know how me. long monkeys those monkeys live. they live so Somewhat longer. Okay. And did your uh, did you learn anything about money from your stepfather? Did he like? Did he ever? My did stepfather, he also say yes to everything, or did he growl at you? Or no, my he... my stepfather was very conservative. My stepfather was Protestant, Welsh, and English, and a Republican. Mm-hmm. And this everybody was Republican in the eighties and seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was conservative and um, very quiet and silent, and not that demonstrative, but very supportive of us and and my mother. So whatever we wanted to do, we got to do. Yeah. Wow. And there was no boundaries. I mean, literally, I wasn't put to I was the third child, the youngest of three. I wasn't put to bed. I was up watching Johnny Carson in grade school and Tom Snyder. And then the teacher would say to me, what time do you go to bed? Because I must have had really dark circles underneath my eyes, like a child of the underworld. Because right. I was up all night. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, they didn't even beat you or something like that. Oh, no, normal? we got beat. We got oh, okay, beat. Yeah. good. I, I, now I feel a little better. I'm like, come yeah. on, at least a smack. My mother was good with the smack. Scrap, a, yeah. a smack across the face. And I had a face. very, very strong willed Irish grandmother. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so if you, your background, you consider yourself mostly Irish? I'm Irish and Italian. Irish and Italian. Yeah. Italian on your father's, father's side. side? Yes. 
And do you know many of those families? No. Um, you know, it was a very uh, horrific thing. My father died of bone cancer at 28. Mm. His Italian side of family sort of went crazy because he was yeah. the only son and they had a daughter. Oh, wow. But in the last five years, I found my three first cousins on Facebook that were my father's sister's kids. Mm-hmm. So I've connected with them. And one of them, I talked to them on the phone a lot and stuff. And I, I got to hear their version of what had happened years ago, which oh, wow. never happened. Yeah. No. So, but um, no, that side of my family in, in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia area, I didn't, wasn't around them at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there any advice around show business that you wished you had been given um, when you were younger? Like, is there, like knowing what you know now, is there an, a piece of advice you're like, darn, I wish I, somebody told me that. Well, today's world's a lot different because you can create your own project and with the mm-hmm. camera quality and YouTube and everything – you can be a producer and do everything. Mm-hmm. Those things, those tools weren't in our, in our hands back then because all they had was like a high eight or V8, uh, different right. kinds of cameras that weren't Polaroid. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's a shame the way life has fallen because when we were younger, if we had had the access that people have stuff, we would have been producing and directing and doing all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff, but it wasn't even feasible or affordable. Right. So, what advice would I give myself for change, you mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think any. I was fortunate. When I was 16, I had a personal manager through a voice teacher in New Jersey, and I was auditioning for Broadway shows and musicals. I left Ithaca to take a bus and a drive or whatever. When I came out here, I read for films when I first moved here, um, Field of Dreams, uh, Mm -hmm. Dead Poet Society. I read for a lot of leads and a lot of films that were really big films. I just didn't get the roles. Maybe my reading was not as good as it should have been, obviously, or I didn't Mm -hmm. match it. But I read for a lot of really big projects. Bill and Ted's ex- Excellent Adventures. Uh, oh, my God. That's all been a stuff. while. Yeah. But when I first moved here, I had an agent manager. They had me out all the time. Wow. Yeah. Um, what would you say – where do you want to be in the ne- – like five years from now, where do you want to be? I want to have sold four or five TV shows and have four or five TV shows on the air mm-hmm. or on some platform. Mm-hmm. And I would like to be, at that point, I guess, a well-known producer and director and writer mm-hmm. on shows, yeah, and film and TV. So if – is that the mark – like the mark you want to leave is like I want to be known for bringing my creati- creativity to the screen or – Yeah, it's very frustrating. Yeah, I think you know this. The most horrible part of life is I know I'm really talented mm-hmm. and a really good actor – but then I feel – and I said this to a casting director one time. I said to her, you know, we're just sitting in this chair. We're having this general interview. But I don't think you can tell how talented I am. And she said, well, that's what theater's for. But she was really brilliant in saying that to me because the real thing was she was saying was there's an outlet. And one of them is theater at this point. This is before mm. YouTube and everything. So the real bottom line is if you are smart enough and courageous enough, you can go and create and get involved in projects and show mm-hmm. people your talent all the time, mm-hmm. whether it's before the camera, behind the camera, or whatever. There's always an outlet, and I think that's the most important thing. But you have to have a lot of discipline. I mean, you, you, from you and I have talked a lot about your life and my life. You, if you didn't have to work a job or do this other thing, you'd have all this extra time just to create and do stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like stability. Yes. And um, you'd like to not be homeless. I like to not be homeless. <laughs> I, um, I like having a house yeah. that's going to be but, there when but, I get but home. You, but see, but you happen to have a skill like I do. You have a skill that can make you money. You do extremely well at it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, a lot of creative people don't have two brains in two different areas that they do well. Sometimes that's it's true. just, you know, an artist or a painter or a writer or a sculptor or an it's actor be right brain. can only do one thing. Right. right. Yeah. No, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that because uh, I do like to eat. Yeah, yeah. 
and I don't always like cheat meals. That's and, exactly um, right. I, I prefer I <laughs> look, I only like I mean not to <laughs> but McDonald's and stuff, I try not to eat there. Maybe I yeah. eat there six times a year. Yeah. That's my goal. I, I'm not saying I eat there all the time. Oh, I, you just I said used, you grew no, up but with I'm it. using an example. Jesus uh, Christ. I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah. All right. I'm just checking. Um, is there anything else that you like what what would you impart to the audience about your awareness of any financial blocks, any financial beliefs um, that have served you or don't serve you? Well, I'll say this. I think it's the most important thing to walk through any door of opportunity. If the door opens to something, you should walk through it and try it and do it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people go, well, I don't want to do that. I'm not sure I want to do it. Now, I walked through the door helping my friend while I was teaching improv. Um, and even teaching improv, the teacher stopped teaching. I, I took three years. I started teaching and I just figured out how to teach and produce and direct shows and do stuff. As a publicist, I learned it from the ground up. If I had to say, well, I'm not sure I want to do that. And I didn't walk through that door because I walked through that door of opportunity. I learned a skill from the ground up that today supports me. Yeah. So to me, I'd say the biggest piece of advice I could say for anybody is always walk through those doors when the door opens up to an opportunity because you don't know where it's going to lead you to. You don't know what you're going to experience or what you're going to get out of it. And it could be something really worthwhile and viable. Mm. Yeah. Are there any financial things that um, – and you don't have to tell me what they are, but I'm just curious. Um, Illegal. Um, no, do you, <laughs> no, I'm sure. But um, I, yeah, I already know the answer. Uh, yes. Um, no, I'm wondering, do you have any – are there any financial um, decisions or choices that you made that you would probably want nobody to ever be aware of? Um, yeah, I feel like – I've done embarrassing things where I was too extravagant or I misspent money and I should have been more conservative, mm-hmm. but you know, you don't know these things cause you don't know a couple of years later how things are different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do, have you ever spent money to keep up with the Joneses? Like to impress your friends or no. seem like you no. were, I have to tell you, I'm not, um, one is I don't care what people think about me. Okay. And two is, um, I understand why people do that. Um, and it's important to them, but I don't have, um, I don't have that pride issue that I'm worried about what people are assessing me at. And if they assess me wrong, that doesn't bother me either. So because of that, I'm probably the worst person for mm-hmm. selling me a sports car or something. <laughs> but if I had a lot of money, I probably would buy right, 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 uh, right, a right. Tesla or buy something. Right, right, but you're not doing to impress other people around no, you. No, not at all. I would buy it because I w- it was something I liked to drive or I thought it was worthwhile or something. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm hearing you um, correctly, um, it sounds like – you know, be open. Yes. Like say yes when opportunities come your way, even if they're not exactly Always say yes. the way that you thought they were. At yeah. least give it a shot. Um, it's good to be a little bit hungry um, yes. because sometimes having too much can make us complacent. Yes. Um, and um, don't get uh, don't get swayed to making financial decisions based on what other people are going to think. Um, you should buy what you really like or do want. Do what's true yeah, for yeah, you yeah. and just yeah. just keep it. That's the most important thing. The worst yeah. thing is to buy something because you thought you'd look better or someone would be impressed because then that person, I don't know, moves away or dies or it's something you never – and you're doing something for some external reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, it's been – it's been great having you on here. <laughs> it's coming to the close yes. of our show. Where can people find you on social media? Oh, real easy. Jerome Cleary. Um on Facebook. I'm the only drone clear. There's only one of the drone clear and I feel bad for him because of Google. And he's a mountain ranger up in Canada. And have you but, guys met and had coffee? No, no, but mine's all the gay stuff and everything else. So I'm sure he's shamed, but, um, 
You can find me on YouTube. I have 16 comedy videos on there from the comedy store. I have uh, Facebook, Instagram, and I think that's it. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, to our wonderfully wonderful listening audience, uh, please don't forget to share the laughs. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for money you can Money should ask all one word. Oh, Lord. I'm, it's a good thing I'm just drinking water. Um, and if you have a question you would like to ask us for one of our future guests, you can vis- visit us at Money You Should Ask and click on the Record a Question button. Um, you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. For more stories, podcast episodes, financial tools, upcoming seminars, be sure to check out themoneynerve.com. Until next time. It's been my pleasure.